In this episode of Octal FM, we return to Planet Zebus for another game club. This time, it's Super Metroid. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Saffron. And we're back with another Metroid Game Club episode uh, where we're slowly but surely, in my case very slowly, working <laughs> our way through the entire, one day maybe, Metroid series. Um, we'll aim for that lofty goal and see how far we get. We're um, not doing too bad. We're doing okay, we're doing okay. Um, this time it's the turn of Super Metroid on the SNES, which mm-hmm. I imagine for a lot of people was probably one of their first experiences with Metroid. Yeah, I think so. Um, because definitely from an outside point of view looking in, I, I feel like Super Metroid is like the the real kind of like starting point where it's kind of hitting its strides. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through. Um but yeah, like if you you can go back and listen to the first two episodes of this if you haven't already, where we talked about the first Metroid game on the NES and Metroid 2 on the Game Boy. Uh, and with Super Metroid, it came out in 1994 originally for the SNES. And the timeline actually follows, right? It like follows straight on from that Game Boy game that we've just played. So in some ways, playing them back to back worked really well uh, because... You know, like you are literally just continuing the story from one to the other. In fact, yes. Am I right? Like this, it even starts with a little bit of like, it's almost like gameplay footage from the Game Boy game uh, at the start of the, at the start of Super Metroid with the like opening cinematic. I was like, is that actually just the Game Boy game just there? Like it looks I mean, very, my, very similar. My, I thought it was just a, a redone scene within super metroid that was then grayscaled yeah maybe it was maybe, maybe it, was. it was i don't know but th- this is one of the notes that i do want to touch on so we'll finish the introduction or head, head back to this because i do want to talk about the, the opening prologue i think it's a masterpiece mm. yes um but yeah so we'll we're going to talk through as before like we've not talked about this too much whilst we've been playing you've actually played super metroid before mm-hmm. um but i have not i've beyond maybe five minutes yeah like my history with metroid is kind of similar to yours but i think i went deeper because Mm. i probably didn't really know anything about metroid until i played smash bros right right when i first was introduced to samus there yes and then i played prime because it was Mm. the one of the big titles on the game yes yes um and then prime sort of like opened me up to the other games because when prime came out so did fusion Right. Um, which is one of the other games that we're going to be playing on this one, possibly the next one, depending on which way around we decide to do it. Mm. And then from there, I sort of like fell down the rabbit hole of like looking into the other Metroid games. Mm. And then I realized that like Super Metroid was a pretty big deal that I just sort of skipped over yep. without realizing Because mm. in 1994, I would have been six. Mm. So I would have been just old enough to play games. But I think at that point, I was still like... I like playing Sonic. And yeah. I like playing this random game that my mum bought me from the secondhand video game store. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have quite enough of a opinion of my own within the culture of video gaming mm. to say, I want to play Super Metroid because I like this series mm. at that point. So, but 
I did fall down the rabbit hole and I, I've played Super Metroid uh, at least three times before this game mm. club. So my opinions are going to be a lot more um, aged than yours, I think. Mm. Yep. Yep, exactly. So I also need to caveat this with saying that I didn't actually get through the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very close to the end, um, but... Yeah, it's it's just it's taken me a long time to get as far as I got and that we were kind of running out of time to record this ep- you know it was kind of like we need to move along now and yeah. I think I'm just sort of holding things up and we could talk a little bit about that like by starting I guess and talking a little bit about the gameplay of Super Metroid and on a personal level I think I'm coming to the realization that I just don't really like Metroidvanias. I think I like them in principle and I like i want to like them Mm. but i really realizing that like this is the third metro game that i've played where with all of them they i struggle to to have them hold my attention Mm -hmm. and then i think back to things like hollow knight as well for example which we talked about Mm. a while ago now but like i really struggled to keep going with hollow knight as well and i think for me i the main thing is always i think i really heavily dislike backtracking in games yeah uh and that's kind of part and parcel of metroidvania i think that's pretty much its primary like reward method right that within these sort of games which for the most part was is codified the right word by super Mm. metroid Mm. is the idea of like you do a thing which is quite tough usually like beat a boss or like you know explore a difficult area you get some new gear and that new gear allows you to move easier through the previous areas mm. again, yeah. which in itself is the reward to allow you to kind of keep doing what you were doing. Right. But I guess that just doesn't fulfill you in the same way. Yeah, it, I think so. I think so. But yeah, like I, I think, I guess we can also, like you said, like you mentioned the opening cinematic, like maybe it's also a good point to kind of start there with this, with with Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. The, the game starts by... Yeah, retelling a bit of the story from the Game Boy game uh, and you have this sort of initial opening scene, opening process where you land on, it's like a space station, isn't it? Um, yes. It's the yeah. research station that you dropped off the little... Um, the, the baby little, Metroid like, from baby the second Metroid. game, yeah. Yeah, and you get there, you, you receive a distress call from it, uh, you go there and like everyone's, everyone's gone um, and Ridley's there and you have a brief like fight with ridley um but actually the game stops you from dying um which is quite funny because i definitely would have died um (laughs) and it's like one of the first times you know i feel like in this kind of era where like a game is like for the purpose of the narrative the game Mm. like holds your hand well it's as far as i can imagine one of the first examples of cinematic gameplay right because this is pretty typical in a lot of games now where you have like a cinematic opening yes like i'm thinking something like an uncharted game right in Mm -hmm. the in the in in the early parts of the game you you're almost unkillable and the game is very generous with how it sort of stops you from like you know stopping the flow of the experience when you probably would have otherwise have failed exactly super metroid does this so well because the game assumes because i'm going to start with the game the storyline aspect of it right the, the game assumes you probably haven't played the first two games because up until this point the games have been not standalone because the mm. first two games were connected quite neatly but mm. they were also released a little earlier with a lot less publication on them mm. and they're the kind of thing that you would have just picked up and played and sort of not realized they were part of a greater 
overall storyline necessarily, yeah. even from each other. But I feel Super Metroid was the first one where they've gone, right, this is like a big deal. They, they mm. sort of knew that they'd made a big game. They knew they'd made a really important game. And they were like, we appreciate that people may not have played the previous games, but we want to tie into them. Mm. So even though it's only a few, I think it's like maybe one or two minutes at the beginning of the game, yes. it kind of gives you a recap yeah. of what's happened. And like you said, it sort of recaptured it in either the same gameplay or it kind of recreates it using the engine mm. of Super Metroid. And it just shows you little snippets of what you did to make it feel more impactful, to make it feel like you're almost sort of jumping into like a movie franchise. Yeah, definitely. Um, which it definitely is attempting to recapture because it's a very, it's, it's very strongly tied to the Alien franchise. Yes, by, there's by a lot Ridley of Scott. very strong inspiration from, from Alien. So it gets you up to speed quickly, yeah. but also not so much that it's kind of jarring either. It mm. feels like... You're just looking at the past adventures of the character you're playing, which immediately gives your character a bit more feeling, a little bit yes. more than just a generic space marine type right. look to her. Compared to the first two games, you really sort of like, like you say, you start really starting to get a feel for some of the world building and some of the like design and the thing, the like concepts that they're going for. Like it actually ties into how I felt about the look and feel of Super Metroid versus the first two, because frankly. I found it very difficult in the first two games to tell what things were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, like where you've got, you're like, why is this kind of like bubbly looking? Like, why are there loads of circles in this area? And why, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you, especially with the first game, but also with the second one where there's no, you know, there's no color. No. It's really difficult, I found, to understand. And I remember when we were talking about the first game on Octal FM and you were saying, you were like, oh, you can like see the like, it's kind of all alieny with these like, you know, bubbles and, and it's sort of like, you're, and all of this kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like- It goes from like a gravelly area to like a biological yeah. area to an and industrial I'm like, area. I'm like, I guess, but now having <laughs> played- like really yeah. hard. But now having played Super Metroids, I can- now understand some of the aesthetics in the first mm. two games because in super metroid it really works right you really get the like oh this is like a lush green area this is a lava area this is like an aquatic area there's a wrecked ship which feels all kind of industrial and there's scaffolding everywhere you know you really finally i was like oh okay i can see now like the vibe of all of these areas that yeah. they're going for i i don't have to use my imagination as yeah. much anymore this, this is in large part thanks to the power of the super nintendo right. um exactly. so it can properly do all the colors it wants to do it's got nice it backdrops have, like because a... you didn't have any backdrops in the first two no and one of the great things that metroid does you're, you're jumping all over the place with my Sorry. notes here yeah. <laughs> it's fine I'm ruining it. one, of, one of the great things that super metroid does is it makes great use of parallax scrolling and yes. the mode seven yes um, absolutely look. uh like it makes it feel like you're not just on a static 2d plane it makes you yeah. feel like you're running through like a vast cave system at first and then yeah. sort of like a really deep industrial area in some of them and it, it makes this great feel of like you're not just in this tiny isolated little cave system until you are in a tiny isolated little like pipe system or like corridor system. Yeah. It's, it still manages to make you feel uh, isolated and claustrophobic mm. at times. But other times it does yeah. a really good job of like making it feel like a really vast area. The only, mm. one of the things I did want to point out about it is this sort of ties into some of the gameplay is that this game is a little bit more railroading 
mm. than the previous ones. In the you mentioned it while we were just discussing pre pre uh, show is that you get access to different abilities at different times in this game than you would in the previous games. Yes. And for example, you don't get the super jump till quite late. Not the super mm. jump, sorry, the space jump, like yes. the screw attack. And I think it's intentional because there's a lot less emphasis on exploration this time. Agreed. In that you have a map that mm. unfolds as you go, rather than simply having to piece it together in your own mind. Mm. And you can download maps of the area as well when you get there. Mm. This is very Hollow Knight, um, yes. as you said. Like, Hollow Knight yeah. definitely st- took a lot of inspiration from Super Metroid, mm. as mm. a lot of games did, in fairness. But at the same time, there are a lot less free roaming. So I remember the really giant open rooms of Metroid 2, you know, mm. where, like, you would spend, like, a good, like, 10 minutes exploring one room effectively yeah you know, obviously like numerous screens you know from the game's point of view but like for you it still feels like one giant area mm. whereas this doesn't feel like that this feels very compact and segmented like you go into one area into mm. another area and they're very distinct yes agreed because you've got like you've also got lots of elevators and then yeah. you know they are joined up in multiple places but you're right that it's like there's like here's the two corridors that you can use to get to the like Brinstar area. Yeah. Here's the two corridors that you can use to get to Meridia and things like that. You're right, and I definitely that definitely helped me with Super Metroids. Like I, I appreciated having a map, and I think sometimes it was a bit of a false friend because there were things that wouldn't be uncovered on your map, mm. like the secrets and things like that. Like it was like there are secrets that are on the map, and then there are secrets that aren't on the map. Yeah, and. Like, although, again, I know I'm jumping around here, like, you probably remember if you listen to the first episodes, I was really annoyed with all of the, like, mm. stupidly hidden things. Like, mm. think, like it's like, basically, you just have to bomb every wall all yeah. the time, everywhere to find anything. And a lot of that has gone now. Like, they've really reduced that in Super Metroid. There's they've still reduced a little it, bit, but, but it's still there. Yeah, it is and still there. And this is the worst offending game of it, in my opinion. Okay. Because in the previous games... This goes back to what I said about how when the game was released, mm. the previous two games were not massively publicized. They weren't necessarily massively played and they weren't all this now a pre-established uh, series of importance within mm. Nintendo games, right? So when you found a random secret in the first two games, particularly the second game, because the first game had secrets because it was glitchy yeah. <laughs> and yeah. really rough. The second game was somewhat intentional. It was that whole schoolyard chatter of like, mm. oh, if you go to this room and bomb this particular place, you'll find like a, an extra power up. Mm. But that aids in that sense of exploration, which the game was definitely going for, right? Mm. Because the second game was all about open open exp- exploration. Mm. And even then, you didn't need to find them a lot of the time. Like there were more upgrades in that game than you needed. Yeah, you, you actually, could even collect. Some of them just didn't count, right? Exactly. Whereas in Super Metroid, you can collect all of them. They're still pretty obtuse. There's no obvious idea that they're there, despite there being a map and the old game areas being a lot more streamlined and railroady. Mm. And the game is much more focused on speed play, which is why it basically invented the speedrun category of the game mm. itself in the first place. So you don't have that sort of schoolyard chatter of, oh, if you go here and find this, because, you know, everyone's going to just go and look on a guide to find mm. where these are if you care. But it's kind of like, against the rhythm of the game which is supposed to be you're supposed to be playing quick Mm. because the game ranks you on your speed right not your completion rating interesting so i really really disliked the hidden shit in this game right that's really interesting 
Because I didn't get that at all, but maybe okay. because I I didn't think about the fact that the game ranks you based on speed. And so I was playing it the same way that I played Metroid 1 and 2, which was mm. like bomb a lot of things and like mm. spend a lot of time using the x-ray vision to mm. like find things and also also looking up a guide quite a lot i will admit because i think why it frustrates me so much is that it kind of makes somewhat of sense in the previous two games right the first game was sort of glitchy and it yeah. was really idea of secrets the second game had a really good sense of exploration mm. and sort of discovery the third game makes it feel like it's supposed to be a relatively fast-paced action game right because the action is fantastic it's so mm. tight mm. and then when you're sat there bombing every single bloody service within a room it feels so against the grain of what you're doing and unless you know where they are already you're not going to do it quick you mm. know now you could argue that the whole idea is that you're supposed to play through it multiple times and try and improve your time which is again the speed running aspect of the game but most people are not going to want to do that i don't want to go through the game like that end on end on end kind of you know trying to get mm. every single upgrade i don't know i it just felt like it was a it was a leftover from the previous game that didn't need to be there. Mm, interesting. The other, th- it's, it's kind of interesting as well, because I felt like this was the easiest of the three so far. Mm. I felt like I didn't find that the upgrades were as difficult to find as no. the previous two. No. They were definitely easier because you've got a map which shows you and just like the visuals are just better so you, it's more yeah. obvious and by this point also i've like learned the tricks you know i'm like oh i've gone into a room and there doesn't seem to be anything in here oh i there bet must there be is. something somewhere yeah quite. and you get like the x-ray vision which allows you to just see everything anyway so long as you like it definitely is slow um and we'll talk a bit about controls i'm sure but i found that i collected a lot of power-ups a lot of energy tanks a lot of missiles a lot of super missiles and I did not find this game to be very challenging no. from an action point of view. I found the bosses quite challenged, quite tough. Um, very like, I'm not going to be able to dodge this. I'm just going to have to tank it. Yeah. But in general, I found that the action side of things, the combat was pretty easy in this game compared to the others. The mm. enemies are good and varied, but not particularly challenging. The area of difficulty that I think was probably the highest was... I found that there was a big spike in difficulty in Meridia. So as you approach the end of the game, where suddenly you are being asked to do wall jumps, like mm. it, like because suddenly, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this mechanic that you've had the whole time, you now need to be able to do it in order to, yeah. to progress. I didn't even realize they were a thing until I got into Meridia and I was like looking it up in a guide being like, what am I meant to do here? And it's like, oh, suddenly I'm meant to traverse walls. See, this is super interesting. I'm going to pause you because I really want to talk about the the, the prologue to the gameplay, right? Mm. We're already 20 minutes into this episode, right? Because I mentioned this specifically. In the One of the things in the prologue that happens is that you have the escape sequence, right? Yeah. Where you have like, it's like two or three minutes, I can't remember, but you need to escape mm. the space station after Ridley's buggered off with the Metroid, right? Yeah. And one of the things that you're doing now is that rather than going slow, you're going fast because you have to try to beat the timer. Now, bearing in mind, the timer is ridiculously generous. Yes. And it pauses, which this is something I really want to talk about as well, is that the timer intentionally pauses on the load screens between doors. Right. And for me, this is such a masterclass in giving the player breathing room Mm. it gives you that momentary pause of relaxation to compose yourself in that you you're no no those few seconds where the timer pauses when the transition between you can go right i need to carry on i need to do this i I know where Mm. i'm going 
it's so clever and it definitely was intentional because there's no reason that timer couldn't have kept on ticking down yeah. between those transitions. So that's fantastic. But you're still put into a frenzy because of the timer, despite the fact that the timer is really generous and you could just really be very slow about getting out on time. Yeah. And one of the things that that does is it teaches you the wall jump mechanic. Maybe you didn't pick up on it. I don't know. But no, I, I, I did. In that when you're frantically rushing, you sort of like mashing buttons to try and jump up that mm. elevator shaft at the towards the end of the escape right and when you're doing it you inadvertently do wall jumps without even realizing right. it um because you're just sort of spamming buttons while trying to jump up and even though you might not realize what you're doing you'll notice that you've done something differently when you've made that jump like samus has kind of done a maneuver which you mm. weren't expecting her to do and then this just goes in perfectly with the idea of like discovering mechanics within the game that you can sort of like utilize to mm. sort of move around more efficiently and like the run button for example oh my god the first time like I, I had i had to restart super metroid because i like had a gap between my two attempts and the first time i played it i didn't know there was a run button and this is a problem with like playing <laughs> these retro games now where you don't have the manual and you're missing out on understanding yeah. stuff but so so i i just loved how the introduction sequence which in itself is fantastic, also teaches you some mm. core mechanics of the game, which maybe you missed out on, maybe didn't quite resonate. Uh, yeah, with yourself, I didn't. But... I didn't get any of that. I thought the intro was cool, but I didn't. It didn't really stand out to me. Mm. It's interesting because one of the things that I, I stick with the introduction because I just really want to talk about it. I just think it's so clever. Is that with the idea of fighting Ridley, even if you've never seen Ridley before from the previous two games, right? Well, he wasn't in the second game, was he? Um, from the previous first game, is that you can't mm. win but you also can't yeah. lose so you learn to fear him but you also are aware that maybe it was it was kind of close so you sort of like you're not disincentivized to try and fight him again next time you're incentivized to get a little bit stronger to beat him this mm. time you know it, the way in which it makes it feel like you didn't lose but you couldn't yeah. win either like it's really really clever um and it gives you that sense of like you wanting to grow which is all the gameplay's rewards are all about is growing mm. stronger and stronger between each yeah. upgrade you know uh which i just think is is super clever way of making you want to play through this game mm. for its rewards yeah. but yeah like i it's interesting i guess the fact that i missed out on that early early like here's how you wall jump means that now i'm like man did i how did i get through this game like is there were there other areas that i needed to wall jump that i didn't but yeah i found that like there was a in the in general i found the game very easy except for this big technical difficulty spike in meridia suddenly you're being asked to like do these weird spin jumps out of sand that like mm. wait and you fit through like a one block gap there's like one bit that i particularly remember it's like you you like do a grapple swing and then you make the grapple block disappear, you fall down into quicksand, and it's really difficult to jump high out of the quicksand. And you're just trying, mm. you're like mashing the button, trying to get the jump. And then you've also got to time it to get in the gap. And I was like, oh, I bet there's a secret up here. No, no, no. That's actually like the next area you need to go. The and then forward, just above yeah. that, there's you need to wall jump. So I was like, oh, I can't do anything here. Maybe I'm like, maybe I don't have the right power up. And this is a secret and it probably doesn't matter anyway. And I like went and tried to find somewhere else and in the end looked it up in a guide and I was like, oh, I did need to do that. But now I also need to wall jump mm. when I get there. I don't know. Like 
it was weird. Like the, the game felt so straightforward up until that point when I was suddenly like, oh my God, this game is asking me to like do these ridiculous jumps. Maybe, maybe that bit needed to have had like another reinforcement mm. of the idea of a certain yeah. mechanic. Like one of the things that the game does throughout it, its run, but also other games do as well, is that they'll like preemptively show you what yes. you need to do without actually forcing you to go yeah, through yeah. it first. And that it almost just sort of like nudges you going, ah, yeah. you need to do yeah, this. Yeah. You know, you're going to need to do this under pressure yeah. soon as well. Uh, but maybe you didn't quite do it for yeah. that section. And there's a um, couple of you. other things as well. Like, like there's a bit where you have to use your like super bomb to break a glass tunnel. And it's like mm. a single sentence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you never do that in the game. And there's no pretense for it. And yes. then that's the one time that you do. And it's like, what? And, and this kind of falls in the same rhythm of the, the secrets aspect, I think. Because although you mm. have to do it it kind of has that same mentality of like bomb things yeah. everywhere no matter what if there would been a little bit more foreshadowing yeah. that you could do that or you needed to do that or exactly. you've done it previously or something that wouldn't have been as bad but there are a couple of instances where you just sort of have to yeah figure i think it part out. of it is and i think not, part of it is that i have become a wimpier gamer and like i want to be mm. i want my hand to be held a lot more nowadays um See, I don't think that's a bad mm. thing at all, right? I, I I don't like the idea that that's a negative mm. connotation. I just think that the reason that you play games like this is for the cinematic mm. experience as opposed to the gameplay challenge. Like, you aren't a particularly big fan of things like the Souls right, games, no. from what I know, either. No. Like, you're not a big fan of the, the challenge for mm. challenge's sake. You like to be rewarded for the experience yeah. you're having. Whereas this is from an era where that was, this this is one of the early yeah. cinematic games, you know, so it hadn't quite ironed out all of those like rough right. edges of making the player feel accomplished while making sure they still kind of can't fail at the same time while also making them feel like they will fail if yeah. they're not good enough. Um, so yeah, it's that fine yeah. balance, which I feel maybe they haven't quite got the, the, here. The cynic in me is also like, we are still in the era of selling strategy guides and expensive premium calls yes, to Nintendo's yeah. hotline. And I, f I think that that's I feel like there's part, part of, of these bits of this game where you're like, you would just never guess that. And you would spend hours mm. going around, backtracking over and over, trying to find the thing before realizing, oh wait, what if I try super bombing the glass tunnel like mm. that just seems so obscure to me that it's like it felt like the only way you're going to know that is for someone to tell you or you spend two hours trying everything just to like mm. move on from that one thing i can see it being true because this is a, a is a main flagship nintendo mm. game at this point you know made by nintendo specifically so you could see them going in like a boardroom meeting going, make it so that there are several sections in the game where it's going to be really awkward to move forward unless you have a strategy guide or you talk to someone that yeah. already has a strategy guide sort of thing. I can see that being the case. And yeah, you can try and defend it as sort of like an extent of exploration and discovery. But I also think that unless it's foreshadowed yeah. to the point where the average player with un average understanding of game mechanics could appreciate that, I think maybe it is a yeah, little bit too Yeah, you just got to force it almost. It's, it's, it's weird. Yes, um, yeah. And like regarding, yeah, I definitely felt like this game was more cinematic. I also feel like this, the like story goes away for most of the game. Like you have that like intro bit mm -hmm. and then you just have ordinary exploration Metroid game. And then at the very end, which I, admittedly is the bit I didn't get to, but I have looked it up. It sort of like goes back to story again and you have some like really, yep. really cool cinematic set pieces 
um yes yeah. but, but in between there's not really a lot it's more like defeat these four bosses to like unlock the final bit of the game kind of thing more traditional i i kind of feel as well and maybe this is the nostalgic in me talking in the I feel that Metroid 2 does a better job of background mm. storytelling because it had such limited graphics that it had to be very yes. deliberate with yeah. placement of things. Very, very deliberate. Whereas with this, because it it's almost too powerful for its own good and the design has maybe got a little bit mm. lazy with that style mm. of design. Um, I don't know. I don't want to say lazy because it's such an mm. amazing looking game. It's such a beautiful game. But you're right in the sense that the, there's just not quite as much story in the locations that yeah. you're in. There doesn't feel quite as much to infer from what you're yes, doing in agreed. the same way. Now, I think Fusion did a great job of this when we play through mm. Fusion. Like, there is a little bit more actual narration yeah. and talk because Sam has sort of, like, um, writes a diary right. effectively yeah. and recounts what's happening. And at the same time, there is some level of interaction with an other Mm. character that you samus talks to so she can you know flesh out what's going on and why it's important and sort of maybe a little bit of history about why this is happening etc whereas this game doesn't quite have that yet so it's like a silent movie almost like you can you're really enjoying the spectacle Mm. of the look of it and the play is really nice but the actual story moving forward feels a little bit thin on the ground unless you really squint your eyes and it's one of those games again where you sort of need the instruction manual to piece things together despite the really amazing intro because the intro is phenomenally good throughout the rest of it you wouldn't really even know why it was important that you're in this location like it's never fully explained the complete importance of um right zebus zebes 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 yeah um you know it's never it's never really fully explained why it's super important and it i think later games definitely capitalize Mm. on this more um so yeah maybe i think maybe it's just like the game was maybe almost too ahead Mm. of its time in that it was trying to do something that maybe just wasn't quite fully understood in the video game industry yet which is kind of similar to what the first two games were like Mm. as well that they tried to push the boundaries in sub areas that they didn't necessarily fully understand yeah agreed i guess i i sort of think about it in the context of like a link to the past right and i mm. think about that game and i th- compare it to metroid and i think in the era of a link to the past i feel like metroid is is lacking i don't actually know the dates mm. in terms of like when they came out i'm pretty yeah. close if i'm like it's sort of right interesting you, you, i i think like a link to the past again maybe rose tinted glasses maybe i need to actually like play it again but i feel like a link to the past is you know is more hand-holding and is more i guess in some ways it sort of makes me wonder if metroid is really designed to like it is designed to be i guess a challenging game in some ways it's designed to be yeah. not like difficult's not the right word because like like i say like i had so many power-ups it was so most of the time so easy mm. but it's like the challenge is like just getting through the game in a way like yes it is diff- i mean and that's exemplified by the fact that there's a completion time yeah at the right. end whereas like you definitely don't have that in saying links to the past right exactly <laughs> so it's like you've got to like you're right and and actually because it's something that i noted down like because i restarted like i said i restarted because i played it and then six months went by and i started playing it again or however long and I was like, I'm just going to go back to the beginning because otherwise I'm going to forget all the things I've done and where I am. Mm -hmm. And I found it more enjoyable to like play up to the point that I previously had. Like I found myself really acing killing all the enemies and like I could remember where all the stuff was. And 
like and so thinking about the fact that oh there's a completion timer it's kind of designed for multiple run throughs i can see that i can really see it um in the design a lot more and i think that it's more it's probably more enjoyable to play super metroid a second and third and fourth time than it is to play yeah. it the first time in a way and the fact that it has a completion time and you're judged on it makes a lot of sense compared to something like Link to the Past, where there's no timer and your first playthrough is perhaps your only playthrough. Mm. Um, it's sort of because you can complete Super Metroid easily in like three hours if you know how the game is. You know, without even I mean, speed the current, running, you can you can do the it. The current speed running record for 100 is like one hour twenty right. something. Exactly. <laughs> so like it's 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 you know. very conceivable as a ordinary person and not a speedrunner to having played through super metroid a couple of times you can probably get it done in three hours just by playing it and knowing where everything is and how to do everything but i definitely played this for more than three hours and i did not finish it you know there's like a huge variance in timing because you can backtrack completely needlessly or you can you know not understand that the next area you know you just need to make that jump that you thought you couldn't make Mm. um you know there's a lot of that sort of like unfolding by you know slightly obscure unfolding um yeah i don't want to i don't want to like sound like i'm just completely ragging on it i think the main things that i really enjoyed about super metroid is finally being able to feel like i see the like setting like the graphics are so good the sound Mm -hmm. is so much better in this one than the first two yeah for sure i'm like man this is actually it's something that we've not talked about too much but has it uses sound a lot better like the music's a lot better it's a lot more varied than the previous game um one of the things that i i really like about the sound is that it's used to amplify the experience of the challenging boss fights yes yeah yeah yeah. in the the bosses all have telegraphed attacks and they're all telegraphed via sound yes you know they will all make specific sounds when they do specific actions so even because some of the bosses are enormous yeah. like you like Kraid is obviously the most famous one uh but some of them have like attacks that happen off screen yes yeah you yeah. know so you sort of need to be aware of what's coming and mm. the sound is a big part of that yeah. you know like if you know that the sound of this particular cry or roar means that it's going to do this particular attack you can prepare for it which is half of the challenge yeah definitely you know so it's an it's an area of the game that i think maybe goes like under the radar because it's such a wonderful looking game even by today's standards i think it's beautiful mm. and its gameplay is like era defining and genre defining Mm. you know whereas it sound often sometimes goes under the radar a bit which i think is a shame because it's really even the sound effects of like samus moving around is fantastic Mm. like there's a real good sense of like clunk within the mechanical areas and squishiness in the biological areas you know everything sounds very appropriate which is really impressive for a game released in 1994 yeah definitely definitely but yeah so i think that's those are really the highlights for me but i think the the lowlights were some of the gameplay aspects and sort of the difficulty level being a little bit arbitrary Mm. and and just like i say like this game really did make me realize that metroidvanias just aren't for me as much as i think i like Mm. them i'm discovering that i don't i actually don't (laughs) i think i think what it is is that you've got a real respect for the genre Mm. because it is a really important and quite weird genre Mm. within the video game landscape like the whole metroidvania is a really weird specific but very like respected genre because they're all fantastic games for the most part they've never really been like aped to death Mm. like the games that copy them for the most part are all really good games i'm thinking things like hollow knight for example Mm -hmm. and 
you just don't necessarily gel with it, yeah. but you kind of want to gel yeah, with it. Like you'd li- you would like to say that you enjoy them, yeah. but you kind of don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly that. But I think that's fine. Like, I think if you can still appreciate the quality of the game, mm. despite not necessarily enjoying it, that shows a, a good sense of critic mm. in you, you know, uh, and I think that's perfectly yeah. fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see the, like, I, I the first Metroid game I played was Metroid Prime. Uh, yeah, and now I can see even more. I think I said this last time with Metroid 2. I was like, oh, I can really start to see Metroid Prime in this. And now even more so, I can really see a lot of Metroid Prime. It'll be interesting to see what your opinions of Prime are the second time through when we play it for the game clubs mm. and to see if maybe the nostalgia still keeps you pushing through or maybe there are aspects of it actually now that you've grown up and you've changed the kind of way in which you play games has changed and that you're not as fond of anymore. Oh, I'm wondering if the yeah, I'm wondering if the same frustrations that I've had with this actually yeah. will now follow through into Metroid Prime. Possibly, but, yeah, because there is a lot of backtracking in Prime. Yeah, but it's also interesting to note that I never completed Prime. And mm. so I'm like, hang on, I've maybe I've never liked these. You know, like I've never, fi- <laughs> I never finished Metroid Prime. Like, why is you that? You sort of convince yourself you did like yeah. them because it's sort of a popular thing to yeah. like and you respect and the genre. So I remember it being very hyped and I remember being very excited to play it and... But I never finished it. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that kind of sums up everything, really. Mm. Um, we can kind of pick up on some smaller aspects, but I think that's kind of our, our main thoughts on the mm. game. Uh, I think it's interesting how we do have very different looks on the mm. game, you know, mm. um, and some of the opinions on the matters are, are quite conflicting, which is good. It's interesting as well, because I felt like I feel like we both mostly had similar opinions on the first two. Um, but I yes. feel like now we're like, really, this was a real divergent point, um, which is quite interesting. Because there are aspects of Super Metroid that really wind me up, like the secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like some of the secrets can be really against the grain of the game's mm. like ideas yeah. that it's trying to convey. But it's almost part of the history of Metroid yeah. as well. So I don't know. Yeah. But I'm glad that we got to play through it together. Mm. I'm glad we got to have a good kind of in-depth conversation mm, about metroid mm, yeah. um and i think it does deserve the the praise it mm. gets um we haven't really talked on too much about the speed running aspect of it which is such a huge aspect of things mm. and uh maybe it'd be worth looking into playing the castlevania symphony of the night game and then really mm. having a full understanding of those two games that came together to make its own genre yeah that's true, Very um, true. i don't think you'd like it because <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I think probably there is more of what you don't like in the Castlevania style mm. of the game rather than the Metroid style. Yeah. Um, so maybe, maybe not for you. <laughs> um, but we're definitely going to continue this series because I really like, even games we don't necessarily get on with perfectly, I like having these discussions mm. because it's really interesting to see where we agree and differ mm. and, you know, trying to move past maybe some things that we just don't enjoy playing but can still respect yeah. the uh, the quality definitely, of. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, maybe you, maybe you are more angry with me for, for not liking um how Super dare Metroid. you not like something um or maybe you think that we weren't positive enough about super metroids uh in either case you should definitely let us know um, mm. you can send us an email show at octal.fm or send us a tweet twitter.com forward slash octal fm or facebook.com forward slash octal fm all of those things We'll try not to leave as much of a gap between the next yes. two. Um, it wasn't as bad as the previous one, um, but we are going to have another game club between them again. Yes. So it won't be... Primal Fusion 
you tell us what do you want us to yeah. play next yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they both came out in november 2002 i think mm. right so they kind of don't have a chronological order to play mm. and they also don't connect to each other directly via storylines yes. so yeah you choose mm. let us know yeah. uh, and then whatever we get most of uh, most comments or or whatever we'll we'll go with yeah, that absolutely um, but until that Game Club episode, mm. which you should definitely look forward to, um, I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And catch us again for another Game Club episode and Octolive M in general very soon. 